Avi on Money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. It's four minutes past 12. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. We are at this time of the year where everybody's a bit tired. Everybody's a little bit gutful. Everybody's just really aging to get it out, but yet there's just so much that has to happen before the end of the year. Um, just a, a word, word of caution, those of you who uh, were on the wrong side of the storm yesterday, and there was a, a tremendous storm in our area over here. Um, rain is always a blessing, but uh, together with it sometimes comes a bit of damage. Um, please make absolutely certain that you call your insurer timelessly, even if you don't know what the damage is yet. Just pick up the phone and say, you know, I've had damage. I'm not quite sure what it is, and I will come back to you. Please make sure that you've just lodged that claim and you've put it in. It's quite important that that's done. And then, um, you know, over the next day or two, please make sure you write an inventory down of if there's damage, what the damage is, because it's very, very difficult once you've lodged a claim, then to go back and add thereafter. So just try to get it done up front so that it's, it's out of the way and um, also be aware that it's the end of the year. There's a major storm. Everybody's going to be, you know, trying to get stuff repaired. So the quicker you get in, the quicker you can get stuff repaired. Um, and just lastly, if you've got um, leaking um, roof and ceiling damage and all that, um, try to get it repaired um, as soon as possible because all that will happen is the next time it will rain, you'll have more damage. So try to get the problem. Now that you know you've got a problem, get it sorted out and get out the way. That was just my two minutes worth on, on yesterday's uh Yesterday's storm. But in studio with me is Bianca Buertas, who is from Corporate Treasury Management at Peregrine Treasury Solutions. Bianca, welcome to Chai FM. Thank you. Lovely to have you. Great. Thank you. Either you are, that's it. Um, Bianca, today we're going to be talk, talking about Forex. We're going to be talking about currencies. We're going to be talking about the RAND. But because we've got a little bit of time on our, time on our hands and we aren't absolutely pressed just to answer a whole lot of different questions, let's go back to the very beginning. Every country or most countries have their own currency. Um, countries like Zimbabwe, for example, use a proxy currency. They use the U.S. dollar. Um, in Europe, a lot of companies, countries use the euro. But in South Africa, we've always had the rand, and we've been very proud of the rand. It's a, it's a phenomenal currency. It's the most widely traded currency in the world. Um, but let's just go back to it. I, I know it's going to sound like a silly question, but... What is the RAND? Why do we have our own currency? What's it all about? Here we sit at the bottom of Africa. Really, we're a percentage, a, a, a decimal point of the world's economy. We've got our own currency. It's widely trading. Traded. Who, what is this currency? So typically a currency is a depiction of what the country's economy is doing. Um, it's a measure of the economy. It enables trade within the local borders, but as well as denominating local goods in foreign terms. Um, I think one of the main or one of the most important reasons for having your own currency is to have a sense of independence and to be able to monitor exactly what is happening within your borders linked to or compared to what's happening with your peers and then also other competition inside of the globe. So to put it in idiot's English, if your economy is poor, your currency will be weak against its peers. Yes, that's correct. What's the benchmark currency in the world? What currency do we say, right, this is the currency, and then we compare everything to it? Is it the dollar? Is it the pound? Is it the one? 
Currently, it's the dollar. We don't have to add to their patriotism, but it's definitely <laughs> the dollar. Um, and you'll also see that in Africa, the dollar is actually traded quite commonly because of other African countries' currencies not being as strong and proficient as the rand is. Before we get into Africa, let's just go back to something you said before, is that the currency is a depiction of the GDP or of the economy within the country. Is the dollar just that or is the dollar more than that? Is the dollar not also a store of wealth or a store of value for people around the world? I think the dollar over time has become more of a store of value. It also tracks global, uh, the global economic trends quite closely. And because it's not only traded internally in the U.S. and it is quite commonly used as a currency for other countries, it has become a sense of wealth accumulation. How is the global economy performing and what happens to your wealth in terms of global terms? So it gives you, a, it gives you something to reference it against. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, I, I can, without even looking at the screen, I can tell you're going to get flooded with a whole lot of questions. Where is the rand going? So, I, will, I really want to come back to Africa, but maybe let's just deal with that head on. Is there any way of predicting, within some sort of certainty, where the rand is going to go? So, there's a lot of metrics that you can actually use to formulate a view on where the rand is going. Does anybody have a crystal ball? Unfortunately, unfortunately not. There is a lot of fundamental elements that come to play. So you can run your formulas on the one side and you can go and calculate exactly where your resistance and your support levels and all the technical stuff comes in. But at the end of the day, it often comes down to who's standing up and saying what? And is that message perceived by potential investors as a strong economic message or does it actually scare them away? So it really boils down to sentiment. It boils, boils down to emotion. Yes. You want to put your money where you feel it's warm and fuzzy and comfortable. If you don't get that feeling from a place where you want to put your money, you might go looking for other options. By putting my money where I get that comfortable feeling, does that strengthen that currency? Yes, it does. So the more inflows you can get into that particular currency, it stimulates that economy and in effect boosts that economy and the, the currency of that country will improve. The RAND. Um if you think back, uh, and I'll be honest, I didn't have time to do a bit of research, which I usually do, and uh, my producer Michelle's on maternity leave and publicly muzzled off to her and, and on the breast of her son on Sunday um, to her and Dean. But the RAND, the term RAND, we know when we refer to the RAND, we, we, we actually referring to the Witwatersrand, Rand, which, was, which is a, a, a geographical area where there's a lot of mining and there's a lot of gold activity, et cetera, et cetera. The Rand's never changed its name. It's never become the Pula or, or something no. more local. It's kept it sort of, and that's because I think of the, the fact that it's, it transcends the global, also the, 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 the micro politics of the country. It sort of represents the country as a whole. And it's, it's been there as a store of value for so long that it just wasn't worth changing. Absolutely. It also represents the heritage of South Africa. Where did we come from, from a predominantly gold mining country to a now slightly more developed and emerging market? So it definitely encapsulates exactly what we stand for, where we come from and where our money or our monetary payment system comes from. Why is the RAND so widely traded? What is the fascination with the RAND? The short and simple answer is that it's liquid. Was it's it, all, very was it liquid. always liquid? It's always been quite liquid. Um, ever since we've done away with the financial rand and the trading rand, it's been quite liquid. 
People like South Africa, people like Africa as a whole. And when I say people, I'm talking global investors. They think it's a booming economy. They think that there's a lot of land or room for Africa to become the economic hub. And if you go and compare that to our peers in Africa, there's not really any other country that has their own currency that can be traded as quickly and efficiently and cost effectively as ours. In a we spoke earlier on about sentiment. It is amazing when you sit with different groups of people, sit with clients, which I'm sure you do on a, on a daily basis. The constant mood at the moment is just, I don't even think it's pessimistic. It's just people are nervous. They're anxious. Um, they're not scared because the fundamentals are there. They're more frustrated and irritated, and it crosses all boundaries. You can put all South Africans into a basket, and it's just frustration because it's the sense of helplessness. But yet, if you cross our borders, there's, there's a big inauguration happening in Africa today. There are certain countries that don't have governments. There are certain countries like the DRC that are just going nowhere. The most the biggest country in Africa with the most incredible mineral wealth being run by one man that just won't get out of the way. And yet here we are fighting within a democratic constraint. Yes, we have a lot of shenanigans, but we're still free and we're still democratic. And you and I can say, well, not me or maybe not you, but outside we can say what we want within the confines of the law without worry of fear and favor. And that is maybe what also gives our currency the strength compared to our peers on the continent. Absolutely. I think the mistake that we often make as citizens of a country is we take a very narrow view. We look at the problems around us. We assess that compared to developed markets. We compare ourselves to the United States, which, which we can't do. We should take ourselves and we should compare ourselves with our peers, which is Brazil, for instance, who's been in a recession. India, who's got massive poverty. So when you put it into perspective and you start looking at us in line with the other markets that are similar to us that struggle with the same scope of problems we struggle with, then you actually get a positive picture about South Africa and what we have achieved over the past couple of years. And I agree with you so fully. I you know, I don't know if I found that bridge that collapsed, that scaffolding bridge that collapsed on the M1 that it unfortunately killed a few people. I just dropped somebody at the Khal train station in Marlborough and I turned my radio on as they got out the car and heard about this collapse and called that person back to say, we just went under that bridge like four minutes ago. And now I've been watching the new bridge go up as I drive there all the time. And it's just a feat of engineering. I'm no engineer, but it's a sense of pride that we messed up, but we're fixing up. And those of us who complain about roads and potholes, potholes are being fixed. But if those of us who travel the roads, barring a storm like yesterday and barring an accident on the road, which is inevitable, you can get around the city in the most phenomenal, between Joburg and Pretoria, the most phenomenal road networks. And the roads are clean and the roads work and they're efficient. And yet you just have to go across the border and those infrastructure issues are massive. They just they just don't they can't they're incomparable. So automatically we've got what has become very popular to call an unfair advantage at the moment, just from an economic point of view. Okay, so the bottom line is that we've got some sub, some sub, some sorry, some substance to our currency because we've got a, 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 a an economy behind it which is in the doldrums but is going places and has a population that believes in the country which will drive it forward. Absolutely. Anybody will tell you when you travel overseas that having a cup of coffee is a painful procedure because it's either one pound fifty or it's two dollars or three dollars and 
you you just do the conversion and you lose your appetite um, or you sip that coffee very, very slowly. Is there a chance that our currency could go where Zimbabwe went? I'm ever the optimist when we talk about South Africa. Um, I think we are definitely not heading down a path where a lot of South Africans feel positive about what we're doing um, with 0.3% economic growth. How can you? But I think we are a very long way away from being a Zimbabwe. Um, and then again, it took Zimbabwe 37 years to liberate their country, but it also shows that as a community and as the people and the citizens of a country, we ultimately have the control. So I think a very big part of that is that as South Africans, we must stop sitting back, blaming everybody, blaming the government and take some control into our own hands and change what we can change and advocate for that with all the elements that we do want to change, not just sit back and accept it that that is how it is. Um, Zimbabwe has been a very sad story. Everybody knows about the hyperinflation, the, lo- the, the lack of food inside of, shor- inside of shops. I really think we are a long way away from that. I mean, you and me can both walk down to the closest shop and there, there will be sufficient food. And whether we can travel abroad and use our money as efficiently as in South Africa, we can still walk down and we can afford to feed our families 90% of the time. Following on from that. When it comes to buying currency, it's something I've often been asked. I get a phone call panic, the rands, the should I buy, shouldn't I buy? The first thing I say, it's from a legal point of view, I'm not going to give you advice over there because it's not my area of expertise. But off the record, let me tell you one thing. Another thing I've learned is never hedge the rand. If you're going to buy a currency, buy the currency. If you want to buy some now, some next month, some before you go, we've always been proven wrong Everybody said the rand's going to be X and it never gets there. Would you agree that if you're going to buy, if you're going on holiday next year, July, the prudent thing would do, do, do have a bit of a rand hedge sort of philosophy. If you can buy the foreign car, buy it on an ongoing basis because like that, you're certainly going to hit some highs and some lows. Yes, you just need to be quite vigilant of exchange control, obviously, yes. as to when you're purchasing your currency. But that being said, if you are able to diversify it over a period of time, you will average it out quite nicely because of the volatility in the RAND. Um, if you have a set deadline, let's say you need to travel within the next month with all the political events coming up, then a hedge is definitely an opportunity. Um, but in an individual capacity traveling, if you can diversify it over a period of time, that is the best route to go. If you are a corporate... I would suggest that you chat to an expert and you get it hedged. At Peregrine Treasury Solutions, we're always giving advice to corporate clients as well as to when to hedge, what is the market conditions, what is our outlook. And unfortunately, 90% of the time, the outlook is negative. Um, just based on price parity, the rand should depreciate against the dollar by about 5% odd per annum. You know, often sitting in the chair where you've been is, is a gentleman which is well known to most Africans, a guy, Wayne McCurry. And I'll never forget the analogy that Wayne gave on the rand. He says the rand is a pendulum, but it's an inconsistent pendulum. Yes. It swings tremendously, and then it takes a bit of a while to come back, and then it finds a balance, and then it will swing again. So we've seen it go out to 18 and then come back to 12. But we've been within that range for a long time now. We need to take a quick break because somehow somebody needs to pay for this radio station. And when we come back, let's just talk about the swings in the rand. We'll be back in a moment. Avi on money. 12 to 1 p.m. Only on 101.9. Hi FM. Welcome, welcome back to 101.9. Hi FM. In studio with me is Bianca Burtis, who's 
the Corporate Treasury Management at Peregrine Treasury Solutions. If you have any queries to do with the RAND, with currency, with forex, with buying, with selling, with how it works, the mechanics of what's behind it, now's your chance to send us an SMS, you know the number 34512, or to call in or to send us a WhatsApp, because I'm sure that, uh, Bianca, if they had to call you up and ask for your time, there would be a nice fat invoice to follow. And here there's no invoice to follow, so it's an opportunity call and it's an opportunity to get involved. Um, we spoke earlier on before about the currency being the barometer of the health of a country. When it comes to a a continent like Africa, the euro sort of worked or didn't work in Europe, but the bottom line is it's there and it's there to stay for the foreseeable future. And I feel that certain delinquent economic countries have really grabbed on the coattails. Um, needless to say, I was a very big proponent of Brexit, that, uh, that Britain pay their own citizens, the taxes that they collect, rather than having to pay it to, to Europe. But in Africa, if we put politics aside and we put the, 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 real, the realistic issues aside and we just look at it as an economy, wouldn't it make sense to have a pan-African currency? It absolutely would. It would make sense in terms of trade negotiations. But what we need to remember is that Africa is still in its infancy stage. So what I like to do is I like to compare currencies to the rand specifically to a teenager. You know, it's it's almost adolescent, but it's not quite adolescent and it wants to oh, take. But then the rand should be perfect because teenagers know everything. Precisely. They think they know everything. <laughs> and then, unfortunately, you have to burn your fingers first before you realize, oh, something's hot. And that is the phase that we in South Africa is going through. And then you've got the rest of Af- Africa kind of lagging behind, being in a more immature stage. And I think coming out of the colonialism and, you know, what used to be the rules set in Africa, there's a lot of strife for independence. Who are we as a country? What do we stand for? What do we see our country doing as a whole? And how do we get ourselves there? So there is definitely that sense of independence barring countries from merging and having a, a single currency. And it speaks to the independence that us as, as Africans really strive for. As you were talking, I, I was thinking, you know, as, as an economist, with everything running through my mind. But if I, if I if I you know dilute it down to the nub of the issue, the currency is the pride of the country. It gives the country a a sense of independence from everybody else. But at the same time, there is a frustration. Um, I look at. You know, you can buy an ETF now that is an African ETF, and some of them have done well, some of them haven't done well. But at the end of the day, these economies have been around for many, many, many years. And a lot of them are going backwards rather than going forwards. And some of them are going forwards only in certain areas. Um, But does that not then give strength to the RAND, where we've got a solid economy that might not be growing, but it doesn't have the endemic issues that other economies have, does that not automatically strengthen our currency as the most traded um, currency on Africa? Yes, I think so. the South African rand is used as basically the barometer for the entire Africa. If you want to invest in Africa, you think South Africa and the rand automatically comes up. And it does give you exposure to what is seen to be Africa as a whole. I mean, if you go to and speak to 
the normal American on the streets, Africa is Africa. Whether it's South Africa, Nigeria, Kenya, it's all one place. I just need to stop you there. Have you sp- you know, I, I, it was a myth that Americans think they're coming here and they've got to be careful <laughs> to dodge the elephants. And, and yet I, I find these South Africans who've lived here for two, three, four generations, grew up in Soweto, Alex, have never seen a wild animal in their life. Absolutely. Bar on TV. And you've got this disconnect. And I keep thinking to myself, it's 2017, guys. On my cell phone here, I've got more power than they did when they sent the first rocket to the moon in my palm of my hand. And yet we've got this ignorance that's just incredible. When it comes to the currency, is it the same thing? Yes. They just bundle us all together. They tend to bundle us all together, first off, because what happens in Zimbabwe, people seem to think it happens in South Africa. Um, And you also get this ignorance coming through in all areas, like with the new Miss Universe being announced. There was quite quite a few remarkably ignorant comments coming through on that side. Um, But as a whole, I think that when people think Africa, the main focus that comes up is South Africa because that's basically the driving economy. You know, and there's, it's always a battle. Is it Nigeria or is it South Africa? Um, but South Africa is the well-known one. And like you said, there is this this detachment from what is actually re- reality in Africa versus what is perceived. I mean, we're not living in tree houses, hunting animals on a daily basis. We actually have a Woolworths down the road, you know. Um so absolutely, people people do bucket, um, basically basket it together and they think that one risk in Africa is the entire Africa worth of risk. But also that is, that is in our favor as well. Like you said, with the pendulum on the rand, yes, it does swing out to 18, but it swings back to 12 as well. And the same goes for that. So the opportunities that Africa is creating filters through to South Africa as well. I want to avoid it, but it doesn't look like the clients, the clients, the listeners want to avoid it. The ANC elective conference is coming up in December. Does it have a bearing on the RAND? It definitely has. Um, There's a lot of scenes on the market at the moment that everybody's waiting to see what happens. You're not seeing a lot of movement. Um, The currency, even though it moved to 14.15 and then back to 13.18, it's actually been very flat. You're not seeing a lot of volatility during the day. You're not seeing a, um, a lot of flows. And the main reason for that is that people want to know what is going to happen with the ANC elective conference, and that will basically gauge them into making a decision whether to remain in South Africa as investors or to pull out. You know, the the more I listen, and there was a really nice talk given talking about Provin Gordon at Gibbs the other day, and he, what was amazing is how human the man is, you know, really able to relate to the man on the street. Um, one thing that came out from that was that as finance minister, before he was recalled, the situation hadn't changed. It's exactly what it is today. There was no difference, except for he was putting on an incredibly brave face and sort of lying to the international community. He was polishing every button that he could get his hands on and just not discussing anything else. So the world was seeing a very positive, upbeat thing, which is realistic, but not highlighting. A new minister, a new finance minister came in and simply just shoveled dirt. I said, these are all the problems. In other words, this is what I've inherited and don't blame me when it all goes, uh, all goes belly up. But yet the RAND didn't go into a wobbly. And neither did our market go into a wobbly, which... Leads me to believe that international investors have factored everything in. They've looked at this and they said, if we take the government and we vaporize the whole lot, what are we left with? We like what we've left with and therefore we're prepared to invest. 
so it might be it might have a bearing, but is it really to the point that the rand will crash because of a political statement? It won't crash because of the political statement. It will crash because of the repercussions such a political statement will have. Oh, like the removing of a finance minister on a weekend? Like removing of the finance minister over a weekend or even worse, a downgrade. Um, what is keeping the South African rand quite resilient at the moment is the foreign inflows. We're still having massive um, bond auctions on a daily basis. And we still see foreign f- f- um, funds flowing into South Africa. Locally, we're scared pension funds are getting rid of lo- um, of local bonds, but the, the foreign investors are still buying these bonds, and there's huge appetite for it. The big risk at the moment is what if Moody's comes back after 90 days and we, they downgrade us and we don't make it onto the world um, bond index anymore, and it, we are, they aren't able to put their money where they feel it's actually comfortable and warm because we don't qualify as an investment hub anymore. In that instance, the, the RAND will experience a bit of panic. Um, is it enough to send us to where Zimbabwe is? I firmly believe that it's very, very, very unlikely. But there will be a bit of panic and there will be a sell of RAND-denominated assets that will cause the RAND to weaken. Let's unpack what you just said because it was almost a throwaway comment, but there's a lot of science behind that. The rating agency are actually rating the currency. Yes. The currency is linked to the bond market. The bond market shares a prestigious platform with other bond markets. And if you don't make the grade, you're not on the platform. That's correct. So a downgrade has an automatic knock-on effect to the – could have a knock-on effect to the currency. If the currency is then weakened to a point where the bonds, our South African bonds also, we no longer are able to train our bonds freely. Which yes. means that our currency is no longer liquid. Absolutely. So even if foreign investors wants to put money into South Africa, they won't be able to. The transmission mechanism of, of how that all works, let, let's take it a step back. A lot of people are saying, please downgrade us. Please give us what we deserve. In other words, don't make us wait around for the punishment. Just punish us now. Let us know what it is because we deserve it. We don't deserve anything above junk status. So let's not live in a fantasy world. Let's not sort of um, BS ourselves so that when the punishment does arrive, we've now got to deal with it. Let's just take it on, on, on the knuckles right now. Is there any logic behind that? No, I think in any country, like we said earlier, sentiment is what drives markets. And you can actually go and start stimulating growth in an economy by getting foreign flows coming in just by reversing sentiment. And that is where the politics comes to play. So the moment someone can enter into the governing party who can stimulate positive sentiment towards the country, you can already see an uptick and an improvement in the underlying citizen sentiment and then as well start seeing how there's an uptick in confidence and resulting in economic growth. Simply, a person like Nelson Mandela, and I was a very young man when he when he came to the fore. I was just getting involved in the business world, and I was a you know just headed in academia and trying to work out what was going on. And every time he spoke, the things happened in the economy, and I kept thinking, with all due respect, the guy got his LLB in prison. He never really been in the business world. He hasn't practiced law. I don't know how. The man's totally out of touch. He might be touch in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a high level way but the mechanics of what makes the cogs work I'm not really sure that he's in touch with but yet his influence was so positive and that really relates to what you've just said 
is that the positivity led to confidence and confidence led to investment. Absolutely. You know, um, I've often mentioned on the show is that, uh, you know, I've often heard from mining economists that mines would rather invest in countries with unstable political situations but stable policies rather than the other way around. Unstable policies and stable political environments. And that's where we find ourselves. We've got an unstable mining charter, which people aren't confident to invest in. But we've got a very stable government. It might be full of nonsense, but it's stable. Other countries, you have to build a compound in order to run your mine. But at least you know what you extract. You know what the rules of engagement are. With us, we're not quite sure what the rules of engagement are. And that's where the reticence to investment comes along. But uh, coming back to, to, to where we were before, when it, when it comes to the RAND and when it comes to investing directly in the RAND, do we still have very healthy flows coming in? Are people still confident, even though it's three weeks to elective conference? Yes, we are still seeing impressive bond sales taking place. Um, we had two very good days last week. And overall, the international market is positive about South Africa. Um, there's this massive risk of us being kicked off the off the bond index, and yet they're still willing to take that bet on the RAN and say, well, it is a liquid currency. It is a liquid bond market. It's Think of it as playing musical chairs. When the music stops, just make sure you're not the last guy selling. <laughs> no, it's just keep yourself close to the edge so that when things go wrong, you, you, you're right there. Absolutely. <coughs> um, what a lot of people want to know, and it's coming through in all different forms and shapes and, and types of questions, is that is there any point in buying Forex at this point in time, regardless of what it is? You know, if I'm going to America, or if I'm going to the UK, or I'm going to Israel, should I get as much currency as I can afford and hang on to it? And let's put the legalities aside for the moment. Or is that just a silliness? Is that you live in Rand's? Hang on to your hands. You know what? First, the first way that comes to my mind is diversification. If you can hold foreign legally, why not? Absolutely. So diversification will always be key. Um, we have seen a lot of externalization of South African rands. A lot of people are moving their funds offshore purely because of the instability and in political policies taking place in South Africa. And they want to know that South Africa isn't the only place where they've got their eggs. So it's all about not keeping your eggs in the same basket and utilizing opportunities that comes across from the rest of the world. Otherwise, you are being just as ignorant as the person that thinks we're living in trees. Um, however, there is a general trend for the RAND to weaken, and it comes in swings and roundabouts, like you refer to the pendulum. Generally, the RAND will weaken against the U.S. dollar. It's just the way the, the two currencies function. It's the way the world operates at this particular is that point RAND in time. Or dollar strength. People like to think it's uh, when when the RAND strengthens, it's us that's being completely amazing. When it weakens, then we are pathetic. But the truth is that it's mostly driven by global economies. Um, when we see the RAND strengthen significantly, it's mostly because of dollar weakness. When we see the RAND weaken significantly, it's usually because of dollar strength. The moment you said duh, the first thing that went through our mind is Donald Trump. Well, <laughs> he's not that powerful. He might think he is, but he's not that powerful. Look, I think if he can pull him away from Twitter for long enough, <laughs> he might have something interesting can to no say to the, to the human population. Can on his fingers or take his phone away because... That's where the man says his kid is heel. Most people shoot their bowels. He shoots his fingers. 
you know, and I think it's actually so bad in terms of the American policies. They've always been a very policy strong country. And now it feels like a lot of their policies are up in the air because it seems like Donald Trump is actually discussing things with the rest of the world before he actually consults Parliament. But the way, I know we're totally off topic, but isn't that lacquer that we finally got an American president who says what people think, is following out or is carrying out his, his election promises, and is he basically saying to the rest of the world, get off your backsides? It's been quite interesting. I mean, normally when you deal with politicians, you're looking for the hidden message. You know, okay, fine, this is what he said, but what did he actually mean? With Donald Trump, you finally have someone you can take at face value. If he says he's going to build a wall, you can be sure he's going to build that wall. And get the Mexicans to pay for it. And get the Mexicans to pay for it, unfortunately. So it's it's a breath of fresh air. Um, it's changed the way that we deal in, in the conventional economy. A lot of theories don't hold anymore. We've seen a lot of data coming out that you're expecting a certain result and then it goes the complete opposite way and you're sitting there thinking but what on earth just happened and it's all about how you're perceiving what he's saying uh, you know I, 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 I'm no great I, I wouldn't want Donald Trump at my dinner table but I just feel that for the world economy he's really been a breath of fresh air I heard, I heard of a lot of criticism that he's just in the right place at the right time just like um Obama was in the wrong place at the wrong time as he came into into the White House. The economy's collapsed, um, but the bottom line is that there's 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 a almost a hustle mentality of how we're going to make this deal, how we're going to make it work, and how we're going to win. I'm not quite happy. I mean, I'm not quite concerned whether it's good for you. It's what's good for the American people, um, and that's a whole debate on its own. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of hate mail just now. For that, but that's sort of the, the the feeling that I'm getting. So, so to come back onto topic, it's maybe the disadvantage of having a little bit more time. <clears throat> is that it's always good to have a little bit of foreign currency in the mix, but just a, a caveat and a word of a, a word of caution there. Um, I tell you what, maybe let's run to an ad break, and then when we come back, we'll discuss the matter of capital gains tax. We'll be back in a moment. Avi on money. 12 to 1 p.m. Only on 101.9 Chai FM. Welcome back to 101.9 Chai FM. And if you just joined us, we are speaking currency. We're speaking to Nikki Burtis, um, who's Corporate Treasury Management at Peregrine Treasury Solutions. And uh, Nikki, I didn't thank you. Sorry, Bianca, I didn't thank you for coming all the way across the Boulevard's curtain <laughs> and coming through to Joburg and, and getting all dressed up for the interview. I got dressed up specifically for you. <laughs> Normally, I'm in my, in my shorts and my flops. <laughs> You know, the funny thing is that um, this this company culture, I spent many, many years at Momentum. And when I first got there, having they bought out Sage where I was previously, which was very prim and proper. It was an old sort of mentor. And when I got there and I walked through these magnificent offices in Centurion, and people in summer were literally in jeans and slops or shorts. I just couldn't get my head around it until the answer was, now it goes even further. There's no parking at that company he who comes first parks if you're the ceo and you're there two o'clock in the afternoon well you're going to walk and it's just a different way of things working and ultimately the client doesn't really care what you're wearing so long as the emails are answered the work is done and things get you know things get sorted we off we go but coming back to what we said before um just to do you know to share a, a, a typical scenario that can happen a person invests their money on an offshore product 
um, and they go offshore and for whatever reason the product doesn't return the returns you're expecting. So number one as South Africans we are almost conditioned to double digit returns and that's almost unheard of anywhere else in the world. So now you're upset, you're only getting 3% and you can get, uh, I don't know, 11% on a 65 year fixed deposit. I'm being facetious but you know that sort of attitude and you have enough and you bring it back. But what's happened in the meantime is the RAND substantially weakened when you've brought it back. So you're bringing back a lot more RANDs than you initially sent out. And now you're quite happy because you sent out a million RAND and you're getting back 1.3. And then the receiver turns around at the end of the financial year, the tax year, and says, please can I have my share of that 300,000 RAND that you made? And there's almost a sense of being violated twice. The once when you, your investment didn't perform and the second time when you just brought it back home so that you could touch it and feel it, and now they're taking a portion of it away. But as we, as we discussed off air, you only pay tax when you earn money. When you, when you earn money. So capital gains is actually a very nice barometer of having done well. Yes, the fact of the matter is that if you're paying capital gains tax, your investment yielded. Full stop. Whether it was a bad yield in term, in your terms, whether it was a fantastic yield, the fact is that you increased your money and it's due for capital gains tax. Um, and just on that note, just, just a word of caution. So I know we started off it again, but um, it, it comes up time and time again and I get panic phone calls about this regularly. If you've got an investment that is not linked to retirement annuity, in other words, not fitting to that legal category, so a pension, a provident, a retirement annuity, a preservation fund. So in other words, you've got a normal unit trust or a flexible investment or even an endowment. And you then go and change funds because your coronation is not performing and you decide to go into an Alan Gray. Um, whatever the reason is, and there is movement there. You are triggering a capital gains event. So even though you say, but hold on, I nev- nothing came into my pocket. I didn't receive one cent. If Excuse me. If you have triggered a capital gains event, you are going to pay capital gains tax. It's not really important if you are moving a 100,000 rand investment and you're moving 20,000 here or there. But if you're moving 3.5 million rand from one company to another company because that's where your financial advisor has gone or because they've got some sort of advantage for you, do the capital gains calculation. Certain companies have brilliant tools like Alan Gray. You can simply call them. They'll tell you what the capital gains is. Other companies whose name I won't mention have no clue what the capital gains is. They sort of give you a rough idea which takes six weeks to sort of get there. But do the maths yourself. Ask your financial advisor or your accountant to give you your effective capital gains rate. Work roughly around about 20%. Work out what your gain is. Times about 20%, and that's what you're going to pay. It'll be, it will be a, you know, a, a bit that comes off on an annual basis. But please, please, please bear that in mind. Because inevitably, inevitably what happens, you end up sending units to pay that tax. And that's something that I just want you to avoid. I see you nodding your head. So I haven't said anything wrong. You haven't said anything wrong. Definitely not. Um, Something that I would just like to add to that is to understand the product that you are investing in. Make sure that, A, you understand the currency risk linked to it when you are moving your funds abroad. And then also, what is that yield benchmark? Is it in rands? Is it in dollars? What actually triggers your capital gains tax, like you said? And what is the process of repatriating and actually declaring these funds once you bring it back? Something that's the, on a similar note that's sort of come up, um, and I ignored it a little bit earlier on, is interest rates. 
So the the difference between interest rates in South Africa and interest rates abroad. Here we're very used to larger interest rates yes. where, you know, the prime can be 9, it can be 12, and we're quite happy with that. It hasn't been at 22 for many, 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 many years. But that's within the range that it works, and that's really linked to the fact that we are inflation-linked economy, and we use the interest rate as a as a break or as a throttle on on inflation. Overseas inflation is very, very low, and therefore interest rates are very, very low. The question that's often asked, hold on, I've got $20,000. I'm earning half a percent, 1%. Shouldn't I bring it here quickly, put it away, Sassfin's offering this, Nedbank's offering this, put it away for a year and then take it out? And I said, if you can guarantee that the currencies won't move, it's a no-brainer once you've worked out the tax. But without that guarantee, is it worth the risk? No, because often what you'll find is that your currency, especially in rands, is a lot more volatile than your interest rate. I mean, you can see swings and roundabouts in the rand of about a rand 15 a week, wherein the interest rate is definitely not going to move by a significant portion on a, on a weekly basis. So I think the idea is to have a clear path as to what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to externalize your funds? If not, bring it back by all means, but open yourself up for the currency risk. Alternatively, leave your funds offshore and remember what is the purpose for moving your funds. And I think that's, you know, ultimately what it's all about because we, we can talk theory, but really what people, when we talk about currency, are worried about two things. Number one, travel. What is my currency worth? And number two, long-term investing. And we can't use the same mindset in South Africa as we are going to use overseas. And one of the advantage of inve- advantages of investing in hard currency, in foreign currency, is regardless of what that yields, you've got it in foreign currency. Yes. Now, is that unpatriotic to say? I wouldn't call it unpatriotic. I would call it intelligent. Um, you still have your holdings in South Africa. You're still living here. You haven't formally immigrated. But only someone who has no vision for the future will have everything, let's say, in their normal savings account. Just like you diversify your normal day-to-day banking. So you have your check account. You have a savings account. You've got your e-bucks card for a little bit of extra and points. And your discovery card. And your discovery card. Don't forget the Don't discovery get me card. Um, but just like you're diversifying your local holdings, just like that, you need to diversify it and take it externally as well. So it's one thing being having only apps as your bank or only F and B as your bank, but do you really want to be held to only a single variable, which is South Africa? Um, let's take a quick break. Because when I come back, what I actually want to speak about is you and Peregrine and the services you offer. And what it's all about and who should tap into that service. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment. Avi on money. 12 to 1 p.m. Only on 101.9. Hi FM. I'm to 101.9. Hi FM. In studio with me is Bianca Burtis from Peregrine Treasury Solutions. Bianca, what do you do besides being in Pretoria? So Peregrine Treasury Solutions is a bespoke treasury management company. Um, we have our roots starting out as a forex broker in the market. And we went and we diversified the product to actually assist the clients in the risk management aspect of dealing with treasury on a daily basis. Um, since then, our client base has transpired quite a bit. So we started out with being mainly a provider of forex for the individual market. So guys making use of their allowances to invest offshore. 
And we've diversified it into a treasury solution for companies. So we have four pillars in-house, basically being advice, execution, administration, and technology, where we take a whole package to a client and assist them in managing the treasury function within their business while not losing our personal touch. So we want to be a partner in their business. We don't just want you to use us to execute your forex. We guide you and we advise you and make sure that all your policies in treasury actually ties in and that you have a common goal in terms of your risk management. And then on the individual side, we still facilitate um, transactions for investors offshore, making use of your allowances. But we go a bit further than just saying we are brokerage and we're going to optimize your rate. We'll actually give you advice as well. So there's two distinct sides to it. One is an individual who comes to you and says, look, I'd like to, I've got X amount of rands. I'd like it offshore. I don't know where to go. To me, anything north of the Limpopo is offshore. Where do I go? What do I do? And the other hand is a company that is constantly buying and selling, needs cover. They need. They need. Um, you know. They need protection. They need hedging. You guys would do all that also. Yes, we do that for them, and they're also looking at liquidity management, cash management, credit lines. So taking it a bit further than just your conventional forex solution, making sure the treasury as a whole functions pr- efficiently. How do people get hold of you? People can contact me directly. Um, welcome to contact me on my cell phone number, um, which is 079-1707-362. Not after 6 o'clock in the evening. Not after 6 o'clock in the evening and preferably after 6 o'clock in the mm-hmm. morning. Um, and then you're also welcome to visit our website, which is www.peregrine.co.za, and you can click on Treasury. And I'd just like to encourage listeners, if they've got a few moments, if you're sitting in the traffic or you're sitting in your office and you're just about to have an apple Go on the website and have a look. This is a company that started in this area a few years ago, maybe 20, 25 years ago, from almost nothing. And it's now a international company. It's a listed company. It's a company with offices around the world. It's still a founder-managed company. If you go look at the board of directors, it's very, very shallow. It's, it's, you know, it's not a long chain of command. And what I like about it is that every time I speak to yourself or one of your colleagues, there's a young aspect in the company. We're not dealing with people who have been there for many, many, many years. We're dealing with people who are obviously graduates, but who have come into this company. And there's obviously an ethos of positivity there because you all exude it and you all come across as very positive. Is it a company, and I know I'm putting you on the spot here, where you're allowed to, where you're encouraged to to express yourself and to spread your wings and you know go out there a little bit push the envelope without fear of getting your hands slapped Absolutely. I think Peregrine Holdings as a whole, Peregrine Holdings being the listed entity as a whole, encourage people to come with new ideas and initiatives to strive and build the business together at the end of the day. Um, The aim isn't just to make money, but the aim is to be a good business, giving our clients a good, solid platform um, through who they can transact and a partner they can trust in the market. Fantastic. So people have heard different names for Peregrine in this company. That's all subsidiaries. Or yes. companies that are amalgamated. Funny enough, one of the first interviews I ever had on the station nearly five and a half years ago was with Canon Asset Management at that time. And it was with a young black asset manager. Um, and I forget his name, but I know he's gone on to great things. And he started there and he was nurtured there. And, and Adrian really gave the guy 
um, Agent Savelle gave the guy the, the ability just to find himself. So, you know, well done to the company, well done to all you guys, and welcome to, thank you for always being available and coming on air. Thank you for always having us. Are you going away in December? Unfortunately not. Okay, but I suppose Pretoria is away because it's not like a proper city. I'll travel to Joburg. <laughs> <laughs> Bianca, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, there will be a show next week and the week after. And then I'm going to take a break for December. We'll see you early in January. I'm um, just let you know that the format of the show is going to change in January. This has been a very, very popular format. It's worked very, very well. But I think it's time for a change. And uh, please look forward to it in January. Thanks so much. Thanks for controlling. See you tomorrow.